I didn't get dropped, did I? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. No, that's I, okay. I'm just not my I computer. Was, I was taking a drink, so. Welcome, up one and all, to episode 114 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, there's been some big moves in the NFL, and we're going to hit on those. And then in our... Uh, in our second show later this week for the patrons, we're going to discuss the college football uh, playoffs for 2022 and make some really, really too early predictions um, for the playoffs and looking at the Heisman Trophy odds. So that's that's this week on the original Draft Breakdown podcast. But tonight we get started with the craziness that it was the Julio Jones trade and the fact that the Atlanta Falcons join a lot of teams that we've seen recently in, in trading older, I don't know if disgruntled is the correct word to use, but older players that are maybe looking uh, for a a fresh start and maybe a last chance at a ring. Um, Something that we don't see a lot, but now all of a sudden we're seeing a little more of it. We saw the Houston Texans, you know, basically get rid of J.J. Watt, um, allowing him to go elsewhere. Now the Atlanta Falcons trade Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans for, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a ton. They gave up the... The Titans are giving up a 2022 second round pick. Um, and then there's some fillers. I think there's a fourth round pick as well. And then the the Titans are getting back a sixth round pick from the Falcons. So, But really, it's that second round pick that you'll be looking at going, uh, is that was that enough for you know a future Hall of Famer in Julio? Yeah, you you pretty much got it right. It was a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick going uh, to the Atlanta Falcons, and then the Falcons would be sending Julio Jones in a sixth-round pick. And it's hard to imagine that they couldn't get more than that. I think it it was pretty much thrown out there now that they were going to have to trade him, and that puts the leverage in the hands of the other team. So I remember back in the day when uh, the Rams traded – for Marshall Falk, and all they had to do was give up a second and a fifth round pick. So it's not like we haven't seen this before, and that was a long time ago too. It's not even, it's not nearly unprecedented. We're seeing this where teams are, are just willing to, to jettison these aging players and take what kind of take what they can get for it in return. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. got traded to Cleveland a, a few years ago, but he wasn't, he was still in his prime as far as age was considered so you still saw that he was able to fetch back a first round pick in that deal the julio trade is one where i think you know i i think it's one of those things where your first reaction is you see what tennessee was willing to give up and you heard about other teams being involved uh, notably baltimore and you're just wondering why another team didn't or couldn't make a slightly better offer. Like, I mean, couldn't Tennessee have done this without even throwing in a sixth round pick? It's not like a sixth round pick is a, a, a killer, but 
why did they even have to throw anything extra in at all? This it, that's really my first question, my first gut reaction to this. It's interesting to see who the Julio trade go down, and it you know as an Arizona Cardinals fan, we look back at all these trades and they kind of look at what the Cardinals did with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, a couple of things, obviously, uh, Hopkins is. I believe, four full years younger than Julio, um, which makes a huge difference in the trade scenario. They gave up uh, aging running back David Johnson, and that was almost in that trade as well, uh, but they also gave up a second and a, and a fourth. And But the throw-in of David Johnson was almost more for the Cardinals and balancing out cap situation than, you know, than anything that the Falcons got back in terms of like being able to get rid of an extra contract or anything like that. Um, and so it was interesting that first off that, like you said, they, they see, ha- had to throw in a six round pick. It just seemed like they, the value was a little off for what people expected Two, why not do this before the draft and really kind of, give yourself more of a chance to really know what you're going into the draft with. Yeah. And I think that's where tonight on this show, we're going to play a little bit of Monday morning quarterback because when it, when it came out that Julio was apparently wanting to be traded, it sounded like, and and there were reports to, to the effect that this was known before the draft. So you have a couple questions uh, arise from that. And one of them, and, and we saw some criticism arise about, and, and this is from, uh, Sig, let me get the tweet. It's from Sigmund Bloom, and he was retweeting an article by Jeff Schultz, ATL, uh, at Jeff Schultz ATL on Twitter. And um, Schultz had tweeted, Falcons made the right move with Julio Jones trade and really had no choice. And, and Sigmund Bloom retweeted that, tweet with a quote from the article and it said the team was not nearly as high on quarterback Justin Fields coming out of the draft as it was Trey Lance so when Lance went to San Francisco the pick before the Falcons pick tight end Kyle Pitts or the pick yeah when when Lance went to San Francisco the pick before the Falcons pick tight end Kyle Pitts was an easy call so that kind of answers my first question which is why didn't Atlanta if they're in rebuild mode, why didn't they take Justin Fields at four there? So if they weren't high on, on Fields and they're dumping their uh, probably best receiver, best franchise receiver of all time, why not take the receiver there, Jamar Chase? Why take the tight end, Kyle Pitts? So I, I think it raises a number of questions. There are people who obviously think if you're in rebuild, why not move on with Fields? Well, that question appears to have been answered, but why would they value a tight end as good as Pitts is, as great of a prospect as he was in this class, over Jamar Chase? Yeah, and it's interesting if you were going to, like you said, make that move, you wouldn't have Chase as your top guy. Um, Obviously, I guess if Pitts turns out to be a similar two-way star to what we've seen with like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, then it's okay. But that's 
that's a lot to ask a guy that is a very willing blocker. And you and I have never knocked him for his blocking ability. No. We've never we've never thought that was the big deal. But like you said, if you're going to um, if you're going to take a guy fourth overall, he better be the best receiver in the class, um, or already have that high end blocking where you're you're going to see him be as good as as Kelsey or, or Kittle when they're at full health. Yeah, and we had Emery Hunt on the show a couple of weeks ago. We were talking running backs, but on the Patreon show, we briefly touched on Pitts, and he mentioned Pitts and said that the comp that many people were using was Darren Waller. Would you draft Darren Waller in the top five? And, and by the well, way, anybody that thinks that's a, a negative or a shot at him, that's not. That That's actually... There, you're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, is a borderline Pro Bowl player. He's just not the complete package that Kittle or Kelsey are, and so that's, you know, yeah. that's kind of where the difference is. And Waller was a guy who, you know, he's he's comparing him kind of to what Waller became, not Waller as the prospect, not Waller as the right. the guy coming out of Georgia Tech. I was a receiver, but a still a four four guy. Um, he ran into some off the field issues, but he, he was talking. Emery was talking about Waller now, and that's the comp. Well, it, and you know, this is a player who's going as the tight end one in fantasy drafts right now, in in dynasty and redraft leagues. So it's, that's a good comp. That's a good comp, and it, it's telling you that people are high on Pitts, and they should be, but he is still a tight end. He's You're still, uh, you know, unless the Falcons have other plans, and there are there there are um, some examples throughout the league. Like Mike Kosicki played a lot of wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I think it was like per PFF, I think it was uh, over 70%, almost 80%, if I'm not mistaken. So if the Falcons plan to use pits like that, which we have to imagine at this point they do, then it, it makes a little bit more sense. They maybe wanted size at the position to uh, go along with Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and these other guys, uh, Zakitas, who don't have great size. They wanted to add that dimension. So then in that, in that respect, it makes sense. But, um, you know, if you want a receiver, I think you'd draft a receiver. If you want a tight end. You draft tight end, and, but I don't know. I mean, this this whole thing, it doesn't seem like the, the Falcons handled it very well to me because not only did they, you know, the cat was out of the bag before we started seeing what the trade offers were. So then I think they were lowballed a bit, and also they seemingly went for, for the tight end over the receiver after trading a second rounder for Hayden Hurst the year before. So... It's kind of curious to me. I'm, I I think they're going to be kind of bailed out because Pitts is a really good player. When you look at the trade, is there a team that you think should have made the move for Julio that would have put them over the top? First, let's say this about Tennessee. This is you know a conversation you and I had a little bit before the show started. Um, I don't know if this necessarily makes Tennessee a – a Super Bowl, like, leader, or, or move them up in the threshold of AFC teams. It obviously helps because it gives them another offensive weapon, and, and as you stated, you know, you go from 
uh, I think you said it was Josh Reynolds as your number two wide receiver. Right. To ja- you're going from AJ Josh Brown. Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going from A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So, um, But I guess to answer your question, I think this is a, a team that has a playoff Super Bowl window. And from that respect, it makes sense to go get Julio Jones because you don't know how many, how many more years you can just give Derrick Henry, you know, 400 touches a, a season. So... This is a move, I think, to take pressure off off of Henry, and you're uh, opening up the play action passing game. So this is Tennessee making a move to try and get a championship within a window of opportunity. I do think it makes them a better team. Um, we're we're gonna touch back on that a little bit later, though. But uh, you asked you asked what other team maybe should have made the move, and I think the other team that was mostly mentioned. When, in these trade talks was Baltimore. Do the does that trade make sense for the Baltimore Ravens? And as a Cleveland Browns fan, I thought I don't want Julio Jones in my division. I don't want the Browns to have to face a Baltimore team with Lamar Jackson and uh, J.K. Dobbins, you know Hollywood Brown. Mark Andrews, and now they picked up Rashad Bateman, and then you throw in Julio Jones. That sounds like a very dangerous team. It's a lot of weapons. It's also a lot of mouths to feed on a team that doesn't pass a lot. So the more I thought about it, the more I thought adding a superstar like Julio Jones could throw things into a little bit of disarray as players fight to get their piece of the pie. You have bit of a similar situation in in Tennessee in that they don't throw they're not a, a high volume throwing team but you have fewer receivers that you need to feed the ball to so it makes a lot more sense for Tennessee to, to make that trade I'm just surprised Baltimore didn't throw an equal offer on the table to make Tennessee kind of up their ante I'm just glad San Francisco didn't have any draft capital to provide <laughs> because we know that Kyle Shanahan wanted him in, in San Francisco, but they spent all their money to go or their draft capital to go get Trey Lance. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that would have been a tough sell for them. And the way he uses players, too, that's, that seems like, I mean, he, he, he had Julio before as an offensive coordinator, so I guess he, he would know what to do with him. But, again, it just seems like there's more weapons there that you have to distribute to and with Tennessee like we talked about he slides right in there he's going to get a ton of targets because Josh Reynolds and I think Josh Reynolds is a fine player but he's no Julio Jones it's an easy swap to put Julio Jones ahead of Josh Reynolds on your depth on your depth chart moving on to the next topic when we look at top sliding guys in uh, the one guy that's not being slid in right now, and it, and it, despite the fact that it seems like there's going to be an impasse coming up between the Packers and their starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. Um, we haven't really heard anything about Love's development. Obviously, we know Aaron Rodgers is basically as disgruntled as it comes at this point. And 
the Packers seem pretty dead set that they don't care. That that he's going to be on the Packers roster and the starting quarterback. Um, I guess there's a couple of ways to look at it. One, is this an indictment of of Love, uh, or what? How do you what do you make of the whole situation? Because it, it was obviously the trade up and drafting of Love that set this entire drama in motion for the Packers. Right, uh, the trade up for Love does appear to have have uh, ignited this fire that they're having to put out right now. And I wonder, first of all, my first question to you is, do you think the media hype around Jordan Love had any influence over this Packers pick? Because if I'm not mistaken, they traded up to make this pick. They traded up to, to pick a quarterback instead of to help their all-pro quarterback that they already had. I, I think that's something that not only rubbed Rodgers the wrong way, but had a lot of analysts scratching their head at that time. You know, I don't know if it was the media hype of of love as much as it may have been the media hype or of the feud, brewing feud between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers after year one um, in Green Bay. And, and, and Rodgers kind of, or I mean, I'm sorry, and LaFleur, you think he, he, that was his power play? Yeah, that I mean... Obviously, I don't have any inside information to anything in Green Bay, but right. it just seemed odd that that's the decision you would make going into, you know, what is the twilight, but still clearly productive twilight of a Hall of Fame player's career. I mean, the dude won the MVP this year, mm-hmm. um, so obviously he could still play. And, you know... You can say what you want about about Tom Brady and Drew Brees and you know the the aging process, uh, but you never saw New England or New Orleans treat those guys that way. And I would say Rodgers deserved to be treated in the twilight of his career in the same way if that's what you know if he wanted to end his career in Green Bay. I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a a childish move. But, I mean, not only uh, to, to draft a quarterback, but not only uh, – I, I think they could have been fine if they would have waited till the second or third round to take a, a you know, a quarterback. Kind of like we've seen – we saw the Saints do that a couple of times. We saw even New England do that several times when Brady was there and still the you know, unquestionable starter there. So – I don't think that would have been so bad, but to to move up and take a guy in the first round and to take a guy who frankly didn't have a good final college season, a guy who I felt like, uh, and, and this is why I asked the question, I felt like there was more media hype around Jordan Love than there was substance to his game. You, you want to talk about the tools that he had, fine, but he played, I feel like he played pretty poorly his final year of college, and, and I, you know, certainly didn't think he was, he was uh, a player you needed to trade up for uh, when you already have Aaron Rodgers on your team. I, I thought it was kind of a foolish move. I still think that because now you have an increase in drama and you have a guy now that you're trying to mend fences with. Because what we're hearing right now is that not only has Rodgers not been traded, 
because they don't want to trade him for 80 cents on the dollar or whatever. But they're talking about excusing him from, from mandatory minicamp and not finding him for it. So they're, they're try- it seems like they're trying to make amends. Well, I and mean, he is out hanging out in Hawaii with Shailene Woodley, so I don't <laughs> know if they're really going to get him back in if he's you know hanging out with his, his girl. Yeah, Hawaii. he seems unconcerned with the fine, and <laughs> he's made a lot of, enough money in his career. I, I don't know that uh, – I think it's $90,000 a day, which is yeah. mind-blowing to a lot of people, but to Aaron Rodgers, I think he's willing to play chicken with them. And they're saying, hey, look – uh, it sounds like they're going to say, hey, look, pal, um, nope, no harm, no foul. Take your time. Get back to us. We're not going to fine you. We'll waive it. So I think they're trying to I think they're trying to make peace here and get him back on board. I don't think, and uh, we'll talk more about this in the hot takes, but I don't think this is an indictment of, uh, of what they – think about Jordan Love necessarily. I think I don't think this is some clear indicator that they think they made a mistake. No, I think it's an indicator that it's it's probably not the best business to trade a guy coming off an MVP season. Um, even if he is going to be 38 this year. Uh, th- I mean, I get that that it's old and we're talking about the NFL, but I mean, even if he plays two more seasons at the same level to 40 and then plays two more seasons after that at a reduced, but still, you know, highly productive level. That's you're talking about another four years. You're talking about, I mean, how many teams would give up everything to have a four year window to win it all still. And why not, why not use that first round pick that you had to in 2020 to help out the quarterback. Who's going to turn 37, 38 that year it, it, it just really boggles the mind. And to use it on a, on a quarterback who's coming out of the Mountain West, he's not a big-time – he's not coming out of a big-time quarterback factory program. He's not a guy who had a great – again, not a guy who had a great final I mean, season he, in college. And, and we – I mean, we kind of poo-pooed this a little bit, but he didn't even play as well as Zach Wilson did. Not even close. Not even close. I mean, we talked about Zach Wilson having an easy, easy schedule – but Zach Wilson lit the easy schedule up. Jordan Love had a Mountain West Conference schedule, and he did not. And he threw almost as many picks as touchdowns that, that final year. I mean, he had, again, you talk about physical tools, that's fine. But it, it didn't justify the pick, and it, it definitely ruffled feathers. And now you're in cleanup mode, and Aaron Rodgers may or may not show up. There's still, uh, you know, he, he could push this as far as he wants to go because at some point Green Bay's either going to have to – trade him or yeah i mean i guess let him sit out the season call his bluff but um that's just not going to make much sense if he's got i think he's got all the leverage here now and i think it's out of because of what they did with that pick and it's unfortunate um so let's talk about we we like to uh, talk about draft on this show (laughs) um so let's talk about some early camp risers from the rookie class we got a couple receivers tonight and the first one i wanted to mention was elijah moore for the jets the jets got him in the second round very early in the second round and there's been a development now 
that leads us to believe that Elijah Moore is poised for an early, early breakout with the Jets team. They're asking veteran receiver Jamison Crowder to take a pay cut. And we kind of know, we've seen in the past where this leads. Veteran player asked to take a pay cut, kind of sees the writing on the wall, says, nah, I don't think so, and forces the issue and gets cut. Young guy steps in. Is that what's going to happen with the Jets? Yeah, you have to assume at this point, I mean, there's, it's tough to expect to see veteran wide receivers that, I mean, I get that this is where the NFL is in terms of paying guys, so it is what it is, but to see vet, a veteran receiver that only produces as Crowder does, making as much as him on a team that's clearly, you know, rebuilding again it's just it's hard to see him continuing there if he's not willing to take that pay cut is there a trade market for him you think i mean i'm sure some team that needs a a a solid productive slot guy um would be willing to give up a day three pick but again you're talking more about financials at this point than anything else yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to even find uh, – Crowder's only 20 – he's, he's going to be 28 years old this month. So he's not an old-timer or anything like that. But it's hard for me to find a, a great trade fit for him unless they're just going to take a flyer, like, late day three pick. Uh, as you said, their pick that team will be picking up a lot of money. So to me, that's even doubtful. I feel like they're going to have to cut him and uh, – and call you know he he doesn't have any reason to take a pay cut and accommodate them. Uh, they give him his guaranteed money and, and and cut him loose, take the hit. But I think Elijah Moore, um, you know, I kind of wish I would have seen this coming, and I probably should have because, you know, I I probably would have thought I, I might have bumped Elijah Moore up in my uh, in my fantasy rankings with my own teams that I'm drafting. Uh, in that case, so it, it's. Definitely, this is a move that has my attention because I think Elijah Moore now is going to... He's he's poised to be a steal where he was picked, where a lot of people thought he might be a late first-rounder. Jets got him in the second round after taking Zach Wilson. Like That's a really good start to a draft for a downtrodden franchise. The other rookie who seems to have the door wide open for him to become his team's uh, early number one receiver is, is Nico Collins with the Texans. I was big on Nico Collins. I had him as a day two guy. I think I was higher on him than a lot of people. However, just because you could be the number one receiver on the Texans, does that mean he's going to have a good rookie year? It seems like they're, they've got a bit of a quarterback issue, if I recall correctly. You know, and I don't want to, like, put too much on him because I hate when other people do this. So I, I, I try not to do this, but his situation actually really reminds me of Terry McLaurin with the Washington football team. What was that, two years ago when he was a rookie? Um, right. And like you said, really no quarterback, um, you, you know, a bunch of question marks, and just an opportunity, I think – from a volume perspective and a skill set to 
kind of set himself apart from other other players. I'm not going to say he's going to have the production that Terry McLaurin did because that was absurd production. It was so unexpected, too. A lot of people were uh, down on McLaurin as a prospect because he was basically uh, the third wheel at Ohio State, and that didn't even happen until his redshirt senior year, until senior year. So, you know, here here you are with Collins. He sat out last year, and, yeah, I – Exactly what you're saying. Like you can't project him to have the breakout McLaurin did, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, and so you know, I it'll be interesting to watch uh, Nico and, and just Houston in general because, as we'll talk about a little bit in the Patreon show, <laughs> there's a lot of people already penciling in um, the Texans to pick first in the 2020. <laughs> to NFL draft and, and to take a quarterback. So we'll, we'll discuss that on the Patreon show. But, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson at this point, And uh, it doesn't look – I mean, at this point, it doesn't look like he's going to play professional football this year. Um, we could see a turnaround. Like, uh, it, it, there was a time when it didn't seem Roethlisberger was going to play that one year. Ended up taking, a, a, I think, a two-game suspension and – getting back into action maybe that happens with Deshaun but it doesn't seem like the team thinks so because they have stockpiled a bunch of one-year veteran contracts <laughs> yeah, and right. it, yeah you know it just it's it's got the feel of an expansion roster and a full rebuild so you got Tyrod Taylor there quarterback and he's good for a few games before he gets hurt I, I hate I'm sorry I'm joking but Tyrod just hasn't been able to his last couple stops in Cleveland and with the L.A. Chargers, he wasn't able to, to uh, stay healthy and hold off the rookie. So then then the next thing you've got behind him is, is, is uh, rookie Davis Mills, who they took in the third round. It's a bad situation for receivers in general. Nico Collins still looks like a guy who's going to outplay his draft slot because he's going to get a lot of opportunities. We'll go to the hot takes, and I want to start with one that I forgot to give us during the uh, – the Tennessee talk, it, it's not super hot, but it, it kind of goes with what Seth and I already talked about. Uh, Steven Ruiz at the Steven Ruiz tweeted, Julio is still a great player and acquiring a great player is obviously good, but kind of a weird move for the Titans, to be honest. Still looks like a 9-10 win team. I don't know if Steven forgot that uh, it's a 17-game season this year, but I don't know that Julio makes them a game worse. I know he, he gave us a lot of good analytics after that about close games that they played. But I think, Seth, I think we made the case that Julio actually does make this team better. Yeah, I think he makes this team better. I just don't know if he makes this team a uh, AFC championship winning yeah. team. It's going to be uh, hard for them to beat the Browns, you know, for <laughs> sure. And, and maybe the Chiefs as well. I just... You know, we, we joked about it, but this is a team that you feel like almost needed to invest that same type of ideal of Julio in the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. and try to fix that defense to give them, you know, a better shot. Because it, last year the offense wasn't really the problem. Now maybe their thought process is if, if teams are taking away Derrick Henry, you could get, you know, Julio – but 
I, I mean, still Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. And trust me, he's not bad by any means. But, like, do you really want Tannehill winning your games? Or would you rely, rather rely on a great defense and, you know, Derrick Henry breaking one one runoff in a game? So, yeah, it, it's I think it's clear it makes him better. Um, we got a couple more hot takes, and these are these run together. So I'll I'll, go, I'll read them both, and then get your thoughts. But this goes back to the Packers. So the first one I'll read is from Aaron Lemming at Aaron Lemming NFL, and he he's quote tweeting somebody, but he says I would highly doubt it. Consider uh, the quote the tweet he's quoting says, "Do you think the Packers give Rodgers a date?" where he either shows up or they roll with love. Like, they have to move forward at some point, right? Yes, I agree. They have to move forward at some point. And Aaron says, I would highly doubt it, considering their actions have made it clear that they don't believe Jordan Love is even close to being ready to start an NFL game. Go into uh, a tweet by at John Ledyard, NFL, uh, or I'm sorry, at Ledyard NFL Draft. This is John Ledyard who um, he writes for the Pewter Report. Is that right, Seth? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So he's quote-tweeting Adam Schefter. Schefter tweeted, With the Packers' mandatory minicamp scheduled to start Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers would be eligible to be fined $93,000 for not attending. And he goes on to say, though Green Bay could waive, choose to waive the fine and excuse the absences, which I talked about earlier, and Ledyard says, the fact that the Packers are this opposed to trading Rodgers at probably the highest remaining value he'll hold in the NFL, one year after trading up in round one for Jordan Love, tells us a lot about how they view Love, at least right now. You get a King's Ransom via trade, and your round one quarterback gets to start in a great situation after learning a, a year on the bench. Only way you don't sign up for that is you're terrified your round one quarterback as you're terrified what your round one quarterback's going to look like in 2021. I totally disagree with both of these takes. I think these are hot takes because I think they are geared to tell us that Jordan Love sucks before Jordan Love's ever played a snap in a, in a, in a regular season NFL game, and I just don't think that's fair. Yeah, this is one of those conversations where, again – did we agree at all with the pick? No. But are we giving up on a player because his predecessor just had an MVP season? Like, come right. on, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really? Like, oh, yeah. I, You know, I get it. it. It's still a dicey situation, but, I mean, there's – zero reason to expect Jordan Love to the Packers to be ready to move on to Jordan Love right now after the season Aaron Rodgers just had. And we can we that, can we can speculate about how he looks in practice, right? But there's just as much chance that they just simply want Aaron Rodgers back and they just want to make nice with him. I mean, that seems to me to be what it's Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is usually the one that's correct. Uh, it doesn't have to be like I mean, who would want to? I mean, maybe Jordan Love looks looks great in practice, but who wants to to uh, alienate your fans by trading your MVP quarterback to go to to Jordan Love? I I don't think it matters what Jordan Love looks like in practice at this point. I don't think we can make a read on it one way or another. I think 
the read is they want Rodgers back. Anything else before we get out of here? No, just thanks to uh, everybody. Uh, please subscribe. Please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to our Patreon, the original Draft Breakdown podcast on Patreon. For two bucks a month, you'll get our Thursday bonus episodes. We're going to have some bonus content as well for the $4 tier this week. I've got a couple of uh, recaps of the 2021 draft by division. That will be coming up this week. And then I'll also be starting with some uh, college football team previews. So please uh, give us a a subscribe on that. And uh, we appreciate all of you who subscribe here for on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you can find your podcast. So, again, thanks to all of you. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back later this week with a Patreon episode for you. Thanks, as always. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean... I don't know yet. We pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um